up off our chest, you know the street nerders got no time for no caca, sass in class, yes they used to bowl a kaja, never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard, he gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards, it's all about the crap of screenwriting, it's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening, your pen and words are like bullets in a gun, write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room. I love that song. I know. <laughs> What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it street, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what? 2015. Yes. Because we're cool like that. Yes. <laughs> the last, these are the last few, the last few weeks we can oh say God. 2015. So on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, Craft and shit like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. See, I told you you can curse on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and you were right. I, exactly. <laughs> so that's my girl, Lisa Bolakaja. We call her the street nerdist because she's cool like that. Yes. Why else? Because uh, I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not a good enough. That's, um, like, that, that's not all encompassing. Because you're nerdy and what else? Brilliant. And what else? Uh, well, you, wait a minute. You why why was the da- what was the down and your tone? What was that down tone from? Um, you needed it. That's okay. Fine. Very good. Very <laughs> it was good. a reminder. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So yeah. But that's Lisa Bolkan. Yes, yes, yes. She's crazy. <clears throat> super smart. Super smart. We need her on the show because she's super smart, and I'm not. That's what's <laughs> One of those brilliant minds, you know what I mean? We call her a cinephile. As a matter of fact, we call her cinephile bitch. Mm-hmm. Cinephile. <laughs> I just love film, and I, I love talking about film, and I really love, especially what we do on the podcast is encourage mm-hmm. other people to get the craft out there because I want to see their movies, and I want to see movies from all genres, mm-hmm. all across the globe. Mm-hmm. I don't know, there's something about stories resonate, and I just love, like, Cuddling up and having my tea and cocoa you know and watching movies. You know, it's funny, Chuck, before I introduce you, that we were watching Chuck's um, trailer for his new show, yes. the, the Art of More. Yes. Go check it out, y'all, everywhere on Crackle. Um, it's so we'll sexy. let you pitch it in a minute. It's so sexy. It's so sexy. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So we're watching the trailer. And what was the word you used? Ooh, intrigue. Ooh, <laughs> I know it is. It's she like she almost intrigue. had an orgasm. I was like, go ahead, girl. No, it was like intrigue, <laughs> the fashion, and, and plus that it's at an auction out. Like that to me, it's like sexy. That's like mm-hmm. big money. Big money. That's like stupid money. Everybody can relate to that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, and the intrigue of it too, because a lot of times when you're dealing with auction houses, a lot of people are anonymous and they don't want to know who's buying what. True. And there's just so much. That's why they send somebody to I go know. do it too. So I'm excited to hear about yeah. the show. Yeah, definitely. Well, on that note. Mm-hmm. If you grown, let's get it in. Here we go. So we got my man here, my new big bro from the Writers Guild, my home team over here, Chuck Rose, you guys. All right. <laughs> Writer, director, producer. What else you do? Author too, right? Uh, that's right. Yep, a novelist. Novelist. Now, yeah. Okay. Yes. That's, that's, in, still that's in your world. Yes. Oh, yeah. Still yeah. Thing. I'm a dad. So. Oh, that's right. He was out there with the kids, Probably taking the kids to see the Peanuts, job. the movie Aww. today. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's cute. Mm. You try to make time for them on the weekends? I am. I didn't get to see them very much when we were shooting Art of More. So oh I'm trying God. to make up, make up for that. Minute yeah. I can exactly. with them now. Mm-hmm. So let's go back. Let's just tell the kids 
where you're from, how you got into the game, and we'll spend time talking about what you do now. Oh, we're going all the way back there. Uh, I'm from Philadelphia. When I was two years yeah. old. <laughs> yes, Philly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right, Philly boy. Uh, came out here uh, to be an actor originally. Really? Studied acting in New York okay. and came out here to be an actor and then wrote a play just really to write a part for myself. Smart. And that uh, play got, because everybody else was doing it, so <laughs> uh, I said, all right, if that's what it takes to get work as an actor, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll write something. And then just really loved the process of, of writing and realized that I had actually uh, been studying writing all along when hmm. I was an actor. Yeah. Right. Learn about That's character. and right. Exactly what happened for me. I understood. You're studying structure. You're <coughs> studying, you know how to make dialogue that's active, that has mm-hmm. an objective, that's playable. And so I, I think what, whatever you know, success I've had as a writer and I think the fact we, that we've been able to attract good actors to the show mm-hmm. comes from the fact that I was an actor and so I write the way I would want someone to write for mm-hmm. me if I were acting still. And then that I wrote that play. That play got produced and got me an agent. You know, sort of. You mm-hmm. know, one thing led to another. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a long road. Yeah, man. sure. <laughs> people always people always just see what you're doing now. Right. Yeah. It's like they when think, it hits, yeah. it's like, oh, it must have happened overnight. It's like, no, he's <laughs> been putting in work. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, I did plays for years. I mean, I would I was writing after I got my agent. Then I started. <laughs> On the feature side, I was writing screenplays, mm-hmm. and it's funny that we're doing this show from from the lot, mm-hmm. which used to be the original Sam Goldwyn Studios, mm-hmm. because um, my first like professional job that got me into the guild was um, I got hired by Samuel Goldwyn, really? you know, Sam Goldwyn Jr. Mm-hmm. Although Junior, I mean, he was in his seventies at the time. <laughs> um, but he was still junior. Not Junior, yeah. Junior, but Junior. Yeah. His, his father cast a very long right. shadow uh-huh. even after his death. Um, I got hired by Sam Goldwyn to write a remake of an old Danny Kaye movie. Really? Oh my and God, I love, I love Danny Kaye. Yeah. And oh I was God, a huge Danny fan growing up, and so that was a great honor, and it was a very auspicious way to get into the guild. Uh, but what I didn't realize, and one of the people at Goldwyn warned me, they said, you know, um, Sam spends a long time developing things. Oh, no. And this <laughs> movie that I was writing for him, it was a remake of Up in Arms, which was the movie that made Danny Kaye a star. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, we've been looking for a writer on this project for a while. And then mm-hmm. he liked my writing. And he liked my take on it. So that was my first gig. But then I was reading Variety one day. This was back, you know, when Variety was still in print, not online. <laughs> when we had when was, paper children. When it was, when it was powerful. Now when it's all about deadlines. When we had paper and ink children. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Army Archard used to write his column. And sometimes they would have from the archives of Army Archard. Okay. And so they ran an old story of Army Archards from 1961. Hmm. And it said, just talked with Sam Goldwyn, who's developing a remake of the Danny Kaye movie Up in Arms with Bob Newhart to star in it. So, oh, <laughs> like, my God. All right, so 50 years he's been trying to get this movie made. <laughs> wow. And, and uh, I said, it was a lesson to me about how long features can take. Mm-hmm. But at the time, and this was 2001, Television hadn't blown up the way it is now, so I continued on the feature side for a long time, and I would write features, and they would get, you know, sometimes I would, you know, they would get picked up, they'd get put into development, I'd get hired to do rewrites, Mm -hmm. whatever, but they just sort of um, went on and on, and development Mm -hmm. went on and on for years, and in between, I would go back and do a play. Oh, okay. As an actor or as a writer? As a writer. Okay. And and continued to to do theater, so at least I got to see my work in front of an audience. And that's really important it's, it's for a immediate. writer. Yeah. And it makes you feel like a writer, not mm-hmm. just a guy who goes into a room and gets notes. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's still all theoretical until you get it up in front of an audience. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. And uh, people can say, well, I think this is working and I think this isn't working. But an audience will tell you if it's working or right. not. And mm-hmm. I learned so much. And, and doing plays really kept me in the game and then got 
a very wonderful agent out of a play that I had. I had a play at the Hayworth a few years ago called Safe. Which oh, was I think I've seen people some people that survived a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. That's great. And it spoke to the kind of paranoia of mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously we're not paranoid now. <laughs> um, but in 2008 we were. Mm-hmm. And somehow we got this rave review in Variety and we were on page one of Variety. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often for a play no. right. in this town. All of a sudden I was getting calls from everybody, from big A-list you know, directors and producers mm-hmm. and studios. And I got a wonderful agent out of that named Elliot Webb. Okay. who uh, was the head of the TV department at ICM at the time. Okay. And, a little uh, small agency. Mm-hmm. He is, he, he's, still, and he's still a good friend. He's, mm-hmm. He retired from agenting and he went into producing, but I learned so much from him. Okay. And he said, you know, you should really be writing TV shows. <sighs> and I said, well, you know, I didn't come up through the writer's room. I didn't mm-hmm. spend, you know, 10 years getting mm-hmm. coffee for people and being a writer's assistant and stuff. Right. Right? He goes, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He goes, they're, they're looking for new voices now. And that was just beginning to become true. That was mm-hmm. like 2009. Before and they started hiring all the playwrights to be on yeah. TV. Yeah. And it was just, yeah. I mean, Mad Men was on the air and Breaking Bad was on the air. But it, again, it was still fairly new that they were looking for new voices and that they were buying pilots from people who had not sure. been you know, 20-year career mm-hmm. TV writers. And it was just the beginning of like you know FX and AMC and yep. all the cablers doing their own original content and more character-driven and more serialized storytelling, oh, God, which fit that. the kind of things I had done in the theater. Sure. Right. Uh, and even in like sort of the indie feature world. And so, you know, I, that's how I got into television. Mm-hmm. And I started, you know, I sold a pilot that year. Uh, it didn't get made, but kept at it. Right. And then, you know, had the idea for Art of More. You know, I'd always loved the art world. And when I was uh, living in New York and just out of college and I was broke and I didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when you're broke and you're in New York, there, there's not a lot you can do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know where you can spend the whole day for free? Yes. A museum. Yep. Oh, really? <laughs> at least okay. then, like the Met, it was pay what you can or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I spend the, my days, uh, at least my weekends, you know, during the week I worked at, uh, just like a survival job that I hate. I was working on Wall Street. I was like, it was the height of the go-go greed era. And I was working I love on Wall Street. Says, ah. my, I love how you said like the survival job that I hate. Like I'm just <laughs> doing it because I got to. Uh, I hate everybody in here. I know that other people <laughs> can't relate to that probably. You know. Of course not. Uh, but that's what I was doing. And I would go to the museum. And, and so I always, I loved the art world. And it was always this great not just an escape, but it would really inspire me mm-hmm. to like all the different worlds that you could let your mind go to. Sure, and that sure, was when sure. I first started thinking about writing. <laughs> and then I came out here and I was, you know, going on my journey from actor to playwright to screenwriter mm-hmm. and all of that. And I had a friend who worked at an auction house. And I said, oh, that oh must God. be so exciting. I to love how this is house. coming together yeah. for him. <laughs> this is like perfect. But this, this is why he's the creator okay, of the I'm show. I'm telling you. And they didn't replace you because oh he's the one with the experience. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I said, oh, my God, that must be so exciting mm-hmm. to, to work for, in an auction house. And she goes, no, it's horrible. Really? They're so they're they're such assholes. They're so cutthroat. It's such mm-hmm. a horrible place. And I thought, hmm, I, I don't think a lot of people probably know that. Hmm. And then a couple years after that, uh, all the stuff was happening in Iraq with the invasion and the looting of the yeah, museums and all the antiquities stuff. and everything. And I thought, boy, I wonder if the people who are living on Park Avenue and buying and collecting all this stuff think about where it came from. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about the journey of a piece of art from like, you know, the battlefields of Iraq mm-hmm. being smuggled across the border into Turkey, being mm-hmm. sold to a buyer in Geneva, <sighs> who sells God. it to a guy in London, who right. sells it to a guy in New York. And, and to really follow that journey. And so all those elements that had been kind of 
I didn't realize it, but I've been sort of collecting all the elements of mm-hmm. the show over the course of all these years. They began to coalesce. And I said, well, what if there was a guy who began in one world, who began in Iraq, Iraq yeah. learned about art in the battlefield, oh, okay. and then came back to New York and used that knowledge. I'm so jealous right now. That's good. I am so jealous of this. Good. I'm jealous. I'm I can jealous. feel. I can feel a hundred episodes just based on. I mean, so, I'm telling you, I'm jealous at that. <laughs> I, I wish I could have thought of a show. Yeah, that's some perfect. shit you would have came up with. It. Because no, because <laughs> yeah. it's 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 contemporary and now. Yeah, it's dealing with something that's still unfortunately ongoing, mm-hmm. and it it just like writes itself, and just because and it's global, so mm-hmm. you can have things from. Oh my god. Yeah. I cannot wait to watch the show. <laughs> you know what? You don't have to because the pilot's already on crackle right now. Yeah. But like it, like every good idea, no one wanted it. So you know, we, I went around and we pitched it, and everybody said, "Oh my god, I love that! I love that!" Yeah, we can't buy that. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait! But what, I want to know what was the reason they were saying no? Because to me, if you were to pitch that, if I were a big muck and muck and you pitched that, yeah. I'd be like. Can we get the money right now? Okay, Can we check, do this? Please. Can we let's start casting right now? Yeah. What was their reasons for saying no? We love it, but no. They were afraid that people, all people would hear was art world. Oh, okay. And that it would be too highbrow and it would be too elite and people couldn't. And I go, no, this guy's from Brooklyn. This guy's from Bensonhurst. Mm-hmm. He was a soldier in Iraq, yeah. a smuggler. It's not just about art. Right. It's about what people will do to get what they want. Right. It's about mm. desire because an mm-hmm. auction is the epitome mm-hmm. of human desire. It's a bunch of people in a room all trying to get the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you add to that the smuggling and the crime and the crime behind the glamour. But, you know, when you pitch a project, mm. even if the person in the room likes the pitch, mm-hmm. then they have to pitch it to their boss. That's true. And they're not going to pitch it to him the way you pitched it to them. Because their boss is going to say, all right, give me, uh, you, got, you got 30 seconds. To paraphrase the pitch. <laughs> And so I said, you know what? I, we can curse here, right? <laughs> Did you hear uh, yeah, okay. All right. I just said, fuck it. I'm going to write it. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I wrote it. And uh, I said, if people don't get it now, then then... They're never going to get it. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it, and I gave it to our producers. I was working with um, with Tamara Chestnut and Larry Mark, mm-hmm. near Lawrence Market over at Sony. And uh, they said, oh, you know, Crackle is looking to get into one-hour drama. Yes. And they're looking for things that are different, that it's not the usual lawyer, doctor, cop right. thing. And so the fact that it was different, and I think this is true of anything. If you do something, it's going to be you know, a negative for some people and a positive for other Correct. people. So just... I know it sounds cliche, but it was passionate for me. Right. So I did it, and then we found somebody for whom it worked. My it was weirdness a was a plus. And right. Not a minus. Oh yeah, definitely. And so they said we want something that's different because we're trying to brand ourselves. It's going to mm-hmm. be our first show. If it's just another cop show, people can get that on network. Yeah. Right. But and the fact that I had already written it was a plus too because mm-hmm. they didn't really have like you know didn't have to develop it. it. Yeah, no, sure, it's like sure. here's a script. All right, let me see it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know we've been pitching it for a while, but then once I wrote it, mm-hmm. um, we gave it to Crackle, and I think like a month later we sat down and met with them, and that was in January of 2014. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they said, well, where do you see it going from there? And I told them, and they said, can you kind of write out a Bible for us. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the Bible. And uh, How long is your Bible for that one? If you don't mind me asking. It started at about 10 pages mm-hmm. and then it grew. Okay. Because uh, when you wrote the pilot, did you already have like some sketches of other episodes where it could go before you oh, did sure. the Bible? Okay. I think, so you, you have... I think anytime you write a Bible or a pilot rather for a show that's going to yeah, be serialized. Really show. Have, yeah, like, you got to And what would the next yeah. episode be? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, okay. I, I think you have to because mm-hmm. everything in the pilot for a serialized show is a setup for something to yeah. come. Correct. Right. And like, well, wait a minute. Why does he mm-hmm. shoot that guy in the head or mm-hmm. what's going to happen or why is he lying to her? And you say, well, he's lying to her because in episode five we find out he's really an alien. Mm-hmm. You have right. to know those things right. when you're doing a serialized show. And I think it becomes more and more important to have that mm-hmm. Bible. And then a few months later they 
they bought the show. We went through a series of pitch meetings over there where we pitched it to like their bosses, mm -hmm. and then we pitched it to the head of um, of international sales for Sony because mm -hmm. they wanted to make sure that it had a global enough feel. Mm -hmm. And again, we didn't do anything to make it more global. The auction world is global. It's already yeah. global. Yeah. So again, it's just it was yeah. it was a good fit. And then all these other things began happening. ISIS and all the smuggling and the looting there. Mm -hmm. Once we had already gone into production, that made it even more relevant and mm -hmm. topical. We could not have planned that. Right. <laughs> or, you know, De um, Dennis Quaid plays this obnoxious, overbearing, uh, and yet charismatic real estate <laughs> billionaire who decides he Trump. wants to run for political office. <laughs> and then lo and behold, oh, that happened Trump after. decided that he wants. That's so I don't know whether hilarious. Trump read our scripts and decided, hey, hey that sounds like this. a good idea. That's but hilarious. for some reason, people think that we copied him rather than uh, the other way around. Yeah, but funny. let me just tell you, Take it. Take we, were, it. we were there first. Okay. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so it's Trump imitating mm -hmm. the art of more. That's good. Uh, and That's current. I like that. Though. So we've really benefited a lot. And even now, there's been a lot in the news about these multi-million dollar auctions at Sotheby's and Christie's in New York right, going on right, right now right. and the Medigliani that sold for like $120 million. Oh God, and so it feels like the auction world and the art world and the smuggling, all the elements of our show are really in the news now. And hmm. You know, we couldn't have planned that. Mm -hmm. Again, we were just doing something that we were all passionate about. Right. Uh, and then, you know, once we had the script and we kept, we were, you know... Uh, How long did it take you to write the script? I mean, the first draft of the pilot, probably three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then rewriting it with... I mean, we started writing the whole season, and then uh, Gary Fleeter came on board to direct the pilot because mm -hmm. um, Larry Mark had known Gary for a long time. So it helped that we had Larry Mark because he was a big feature okay. producer, and like all feature people, everybody wants to move into television now. Let, let me ask you a question, man. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I've, like Margaret Nagel, who's a good friend mm -hmm. of ours, you know Margaret, <clears throat> over at the Writers Guild, because mm -hmm. um, she always says, that she would, she would not hire a feature director to direct her stuff in TV. How was your experience working with a, a director from features to TV? How did he direct why did, other? Why how did he direct it? Well, she has a whole thing that she does about it, but she talks about basically they're, they're, they're just so used to working on a slower pace and just different things that they're used to doing. And you know what I mean? The, she explains it a lot better than I do. But it was interesting to me that she believed that. And actually, some other people chimed in was like, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I would never hire a feature writer to feature. Sorry, because they think director. they have more time than what they really have. TV yeah, it was just fast, interesting. Fast, fast. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it's a feature director who's never directed television, it was that. It was, about, it was about okay. never. It was but about never. so many feature directors do direct television Correct. now. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Scorsese did the mm -hmm. you know pilot for Boardwalk Empire. Sure. Granted, he had a lot of money to do that but mm -hmm. uh, no Gary's probably done 20 pilots and okay. he was an exec producer on Beauty and the Beast and sure, he's been working in television for like 10 years mm -hmm. in addition to his feature career and you know I mean Crackle made it pretty clear I mean to do the show the way we needed to do it and to get the attention we needed mm -hmm. that we needed a name cast and they okay. wanted yep. a name director and well, let's talk about that. How did you guys end up getting like Dennis? And yeah, some of the how other... long did it take for him to read the script and for him to say, Yes, I want to do the show? Because if I were an actor, like, Hell yes, like the moment <laughs> you would have pitched that, I would have been like, Yes, let's do this. Well, Gary came first. Okay. I mean, we got Gary Fleeter on board and he loved the script and we met with him. I mean, he came in and he like pitched his take on it. He really wanted to do it. Love that. So it's a combination of <clears throat> his passion for the project, mm -hmm. you know, his body of work. Uh, and the fact that, you know, he, he really had a vision for it. And then, you know, it, it gave us even more credibility. Right. Now we had an A-list director right. on board. And then he called up Dennis and he said, you know, you should really take a look at this show. 
That and, helps. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we went through the He calls him Dennis, okay. by the way. Uh, hey, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Once you know him, I mean, he yeah. is Dennis. He's mm-hmm. such a cool guy. He is just so, like, one of the gang, and he doesn't put on any kind of airs at all. I mean, he's been in the business for 35 years, and he still brings to it the excitement and the joy and the enthusiasm of somebody who's just, you know, been doing it. I was, I was just telling my, my, my husband the other day, I, every time I leave here, they're shooting a new show with um, Billy Bob Thornton, mm-hmm. and Billy's always outside. He's like, "Hey, Hillary," and I'm like, "Hey, buddy!" Like we always mm-hmm. get into a little conversation. He's the sweetest guy, mm-hmm. Is he? the okay. sweetest. Mm-hmm. And you and I was just telling somebody, you see why certain people last mm-hmm. when they are that, which you just explained. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good things about mm-hmm. Dennis. He's wonderful in the show. He's wonderful to work with. He mm-hmm. brings such a joy, <laughs> and and he he really makes everybody feel like they're. An important part of the team, whether it's you know the person who's bringing the food or the PA mm-hmm. or his co-stars, he's very generous with his fellow actors. He's always very alive. He's different in every take, so he keeps you on your toes. Because oh, okay. uh, he looks fabulous in the trailer. Oh, yeah. he's like, still got it's it. like he's gonna bring he's some game to this. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's so wonderful in it. I'm just so thrilled that that he's enjoying it. Mm-hmm. You know, originally we didn't know whether he would only do one season or not, oh, but it, okay. you know, it looks like he's gonna come back and do season okay. two. I, I know good. he wants to, and he's a busy guy. But assuming that everything works out schedule wise and everything, you know, he definitely wants to come back and do sure, it again. Sure. So we were really blessed all the way around. But it was it was Gary Fleeter and his relationship with all these actors that, you know, enabled the process. I mean, you know, we went through Dennis's agent. I mean, Mm -hmm. Sony made an offer to him Mm -hmm. and all of that, but it was really Gary picking up the phone and saying, you got to take a look at this script, man. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, he, he gave it to him on a Friday and he called uh, Gary that Monday morning. Really? Saying, hey, I'm really interested in this. That's not bad. Same thing with Kate Bosworth. I think he gave it to her on a Monday. We were were just talking about Kate. Kate is one of those people, like, when she first came out, you know, of course, in the beginning of her career, it was kind of like, oh, the cute, you know, blonde kind mm-hmm. of, hey, you know, surfer girl type look. And she has just grown as an actress. Mm-hmm. Like, now, she, to me, she has, like, her actor's face now. Okay, yeah. Like, she, she gives good face. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. And still Alice, mm-hmm. she was fucking amazing, <laughs> you know? So when I saw her, like, yeah, the Ice Queen, she's mm-hmm. bringing that, that, that kind of, like, upper crust kind of, like, I don't know. She's bringing some style to it. And I have to tell you, I love the title of the show. Because it sounds like The Art of War. Yeah. It's definitely you know, the a play, play on words. that. It's mm-hmm. a play and the art of war and the idea of like, it is, there's an art to it. But I love the fact that um, it just it just makes me want to know what's going to happen. Because I love shows that are show me worlds, one, that I know very little about. And you know, we talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. a show that gives me curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, and to me, I always think of the art world as being cutthroat anyway. Oh, yeah, so now like you it. are giving me like, now you are giving me a behind the scenes look at all the craziness. Mm-hmm. Because for example, recently, I don't know, I can't remember the name of it, but it was the one Blue Diamond mm-hmm. that just got sold. I can't remember how much. It was a lot of money. Yeah, it was like $65 million yes. or something. And then the guy mm-hmm. who bought it, the person mm-hmm. who bought it, they renamed it the Blue Something for his seven-year-old daughter. I'm like, <laughs> what? are you like going to give this ring, let's like, uh, is it $40 billion or something? It was a lot of money. I'm mm-hmm. like, first of all, I'm going to rename it for my seven-year-old daughter. Wow. I'm like, what? Kind of money? What type well, of we're, family? We're, what? No, no, we give our kids Legos, <laughs> and they're very, very happy. My son's much happier with the Legos. Well, he wouldn't know what to do with a blue diamond. Exactly. He'd be like, "Thanks, Dad, but where, where, where's the Death Star?" But the entry you know? is the, what's that world like when you sure. have money where you can just, "Oh, I'm just going to buy it for my daughter." Well, we were talking about. We did an episode about um, like Jurassic Park and all those summer movies. Okay, and we were talking about Spielberg, how he had made. Um, what was the uh, the movie years ago he made for his son? Mm. Which one was it? Uh, Hook. 
No. It was um, Schindler's List with the little mouse, <laughs> the little mouse in Paris. Which, oh, 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 what was oh, that? Oh, Figo, uh, Figo, American Tail, American, American Tail. Tail. Yeah, like mm-hmm. he made that for his son, uh-huh. and we were like, "Wait a minute, okay, how are you gonna just make a movie for your kid?" I just, <laughs> <laughs> that's because you can, bitch. Have, you can. Kids, like, Happy birthday, son. Here's a whole movie for <laughs> you. Exactly. You know, that's oh my funny. god. So, kids, if you're out there, just you know, have have Spielberg <laughs> be your father, and uh, or Uncle Chuck, why, why he'll did, do it for you. Why didn't I think of that? Exactly, exactly. That's funny. That's this funny. is so exciting because I know a lot of people. If you're not familiar with Crackle, like I just recently uh, got on there mm-hmm. to watch films and stuff, and I had no idea they were doing scripted stuff now. You know, so that's amazing. That there's one. There's new venues mm-hmm. to get your work out there. Well, and that's, well, that's well it, it is a crowded field, and that I think was a big part of the reason why Crackle wanted right. A-list talent because. I mean, let's face it. That's what attracts people mm-hmm. to a show. That's what makes you stand out from the crowd. Right. And we've been fortunate that we've been getting great press. We've been getting great reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let I me ask you a question. Has helped now, because you because so you basically so you've never been on staff, right? I, I've not. No, I didn't come up through. So the, so how the, did you? How were you side. still able to stay EP and all that stuff? Can you tell us how that all worked for you? Uh, yeah, I mean that was just you know when they bought the show. I mean that was the deal. Mm-hmm. That was how it was. Was it because you were the expert? You know, I think it's pretty common when if it's a show that you create. Right. I mean, again, I guess if it's if you're at network, it might be a little bit. Because a lot of times they bring in somebody else. Yeah, showrunner. They'll have somebody. We do have a showrunner. Okay. We do mm-hmm. have a showrunner. Uh, we're both EPs on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Gardner Stern is is our showrunner. Okay. Okay. And he comes from the traditional like 20 years television mm-hmm. right. Emmys for Law and Order sure. and and all of that. So I mean, yes, they definitely wanted somebody on the staff with sure. experience, but. It was, it was he and I, and then we had a couple of freelancers who we brought on board. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not like they just like gave me the keys to the studio and said, "Oh, go go play." Go do that. Uh, <laughs> no, it was definitely a very collaborative process. But because I had written the pilot going in, and I had written the Bible going in, so mm-hmm. a lot of it had already been established sure. before they bought it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good thing for writers if they're coming to it who have not worked in television right. a lot, who don't bring that leverage to it. Mm-hmm. The more work you do on your own that you bring to the table, that's how you make yourself valuable. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the in more the same, work you gotcha. can do and the better the work is, right. the more important you make yourself yeah. to the process. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in the same situation you're in right now. I just turn in my script for these guys who have a deal at HBO. And it's about guys in Philly who are in the mob, you know, type of a show. <clears throat> and um, um, it helped me to have the Bible and everything. I mean, I had the whole... The whole nine yards, it really helped, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, look, at the end of the day, once the studio buys the project, they can make changes and bring sure. in other people if they want. The, the only leverage you really have is just, you know, do good work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you do good work, then you make yourself important to the process. Correct. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, I definitely knew the art world and the auction world and had done all the research and all the background, so I, I did bring that to it. And because I had been an actor myself for so many years and had been a director in it, you know, had had written, directed, and produced a couple of independent films that Mm -hmm. had done well Mm -hmm. on the festival circuit. So I had worn every hat just on a smaller budget, on a smaller scale. But the Mm -hmm. fundamentals of it are the same and knew how to talk to actors and knew Mm -hmm. their language and knew their process. And so, you know, became an important part of the creative process because I did have that background, which a lot of, you know, EPs or, Mm -hmm. or writers don't come from that True. background right. and don't really understand what actors are going through in their head when they're working on something. Mm-hmm. So having that background was really important because we have great actors and they're very yeah. smart and they picked up on that Yeah, and it, it became easier to have a dialogue with them because I had done what they're doing. Sure. Now from script to screen, what was it like to see... Your words, finally, the whole finished pilot, and sit there and like, God damn it, it's real. 
This shit is real. And was it? And was it? Was it always ten? They wanted ten episodes. Yeah, it was always going to be. That's 10. good. It's mm-hmm. a good number. That'll really get you in the habit of feeling like if you can do it over a whole oh, season. God, or not. I've got to watch it. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's wonderful. It's mm-hmm. wonderful to see it. I mean, the pilot looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And the show looks gorgeous. And you know, we, Gary Fleeter, and we had a great DP, Teo Van de Sand, who's Gary's DP. Mm-hmm. And then we had other terrific uh, DP named Pierre, who did uh, the episodes after the first two up in Montreal. And is that was, where you guys shot? We Montreal? shot the whole thing okay. in Montreal, okay. and it's a it's a wonderful stand-in for New York. It's almost like a more dreamlike version of New York. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like a painting mm-hmm. in, in in certain ways. But it, it was wonderful to work with such a great crew. In terms of like seeing my words up there mm-hmm. on the screen, it happens in so many stages. Mm-hmm. We had been working on it for so long, and then you know the first table read that we did, like with the actors, that was like the first time I was like, no, oh, I'm yeah. finally hearing the actors, you know, say it. And then you get on set and you you rehearse it and you watch you know a page being mm-hmm. shot. So you see it in little pieces. Right. So you get used to it along the way. And then you watch the dailies. And mm-hmm. at that point, it's like you're putting up a building. Mm-hmm. So you're just you're looking at that two by four. You're looking at that you know joint. You're looking at that archway. And then once you do all that, then you step back and you're like, holy shit, we built a we we built a building. Right. You know. But you're so focused on. I mean, I try and make a point of looking at the forest and the trees because mm-hmm. I think you have to. So when we're working on a scene, I'm looking at that moment within the scene, but I'm also saying, wait a minute, but I know that this moment is going to be setting up something that's going to happen in episode eight. Right. Or where are we within the episode? Have we had too much of this sort of intimate mm-hmm. one-on-one thing? Do we need to kind of ramp up the, the pacing of it? So I do always keep an eye on the structure and the pacing mm-hmm. of it, even when we're working on an individual yeah. scene. Did a lot change, though, from from the script to getting it up there? I mean, I mean, the, the scripts the all went through uh, a lot of rewrites, mm-hmm. certainly the pilot and episode two. We shot them in blocks of two. Mm. So one and two were done by Gary. So that was like block one. Block one, I think, went through the most revisions because mm-hmm. it was the first one and it was the one. You want to get it right. Yeah, get it, mm-hmm. get it right. And then once we got <laughs> into it, and then you know, a wonderful director named Steve Adelson came in to direct block two. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve is a very experienced uh, TV director and has done Blacklist and mm-hmm. a ton of shows. And so we were sort of you know getting to know each other better at that point. Uh, and then we had a terrific French director named Eric Canuel who did uh, Block 3. I felt like in the second half of the season, we really started to know our characters in a new way, Mm -hmm. and we really hit our stride. So I would encourage people, uh, you know, the show changes quite a bit from the beginning to the end of the season without Mm -hmm. giving too much away. But we begin in a very glamorous way world of optimism <laughs> right and then things really begin to spiral out of control and the darker it got i felt like the more we kind of exposed our characters and okay, you know good. showed them like kind of they bare their souls right. more as it went on want to begin on that note you want right. to begin with everything mm-hmm. looking very glossy and looking very much like everybody's on top mm-hmm. of their game and then see them tear apart so you know, as we got into it more, I mean, look, there were a lot of rewrites on every script. Yeah, right. uh, but I felt like as we got into it more, we, we just found a rhythm and we all did. I mean, the crew, the actors, the writers, mm-hmm. the staff. And it, it, I, when I, again, when I step back and I look at the arc of the whole season, I think it's very interesting to see what happens to all of these people because they are so driven mm-hmm. and so full of desire and so trying to 
I don't even say, I want to say reinvent themselves, right. but create an image for themselves mm-hmm. or change themselves from the outside mm. rather than trying to really change themselves from mm. the inside. Because the auction world is so much about image. Right. And it's how you spin it. And it's like, well, what does this painting represent? Mm-hmm. And the people are doing the same things with themselves. And I think that's why everything falls apart for them mm-hmm. later on in the season. I have a question. Nice. You, were, you were saying that... Um, so there was you and the showrunner. Gardner, yeah. And then, so you guys brought in other writers to do freelance, so you, you didn't have a writer's room? Or we didn't you... really have a writer's room. We had two <laughs> freelancers, mm-hmm. uh, each of whom uh, did a, did an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the freelancers did two episodes. And we would all sit down together. We, you sure. know, in It was kind of like a writer's room when we mm-hmm. all got together, but you know, they were only involved in a couple of the scripts. Okay. And a lot of times it was just... Uh, it was Gardner and I. And, did did uh, you have your hand in every script? Did you actually? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you go back and have mm-hmm. to fix things for your voice and whatever? Uh, with the freelancers, we, yeah. you know, we definitely did a voice pass. You okay. know, uh, after that, because by at that point, you know, we knew the voices sure. of the of the characters in a way that you know the freelancers wouldn't. But they also contributed some great mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, by the end of the season, <laughs> I, I was definitely doing more of that. You know, because by then we just not only did we know the show and the characters, but we knew the actors so well, mm-hmm. and the actors and the characters had really merged that I really had the actors' voices in my head mm-hmm. when we were working on the later ones. Oh, I love that because we had written together. the first eight yeah. scripts before we even had any of the actors. Oh my before. god! So you already had everything pretty much laid oh, out. That's a lot. And oh my god, that is. Yeah. But I bet, I bet once you started shooting, though, you probably had to go back and adjust some scripts because you started seeing things that actors would know? Not too much. Okay. No, I mean, we definitely made adjustments, but not because the, the characters' voices didn't fit the actors' okay. voices. And I think that's because the actors were all just so perfectly cast okay. for who they were. That's important. But, you know, there were story <laughs> things that we were discovering. And sometimes just seeing the actors play the characters, mm-hmm. I began to understand more things about the characters. Okay. And then that informed the rewrites that we did in the later scripts. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The cast looks fabulous. <laughs> and uh, speaking of cast, <laughs> when you had that fine, oh my God, I can't even what can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to stare at Mr. Graham Connor, played by, by <laughs> Christian Cook. Oh my mm-hmm. God, he is so dreamy mm-hmm. on this show. Because he was on, oh, what was the show called? I think it's called The Witches of EastEnders he was on. Well, there's a say? British show called EastEnders. Yes, but he was on that. Was he on that? Yeah. He, uh, I know he did a lot of uh, stuff yes. in England. He's British one of our British booze. He was on a show booze. here yes. uh, in this country called Magic City. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Couple, yeah. couple that was Mick Bedden course. It just, got, oh, that's it. It just okay. got canceled this week. Okay. Sorry. We've got to have Mick back on, though, by the way. But, Christian, Christian is wonderful, and he's a terrific actor, and he's a nice guy. It's enough to make you hate his guts. Oh, God. Except he's such a nice guy. He's so yeah. sweet. He just can't, and he brings so much to the character, so much vulnerability and rawness and mm-hmm. energy that he was the first actor. Uh, we didn't even see him because he read for our casting director. He had to fly back to London. He's British. And he flew back to London the day before we began auditions. Oh, okay. So our casting director put him on tape. Okay. And we watched the tape, and we were like, yeah, yeah, we like this kid. This is mm-hmm. great. We're off to a great start. And then we saw a ton of other people, and we're like, yeah, we didn't like anybody as much as we liked Christian. That's then, what happens. You come back to yeah, that same person, yeah, and yeah. you compare everybody like, to them. You know what I mean? So we had him, like this person? His callback was via Skype. He Skyped really? for us from London. And all the Sony execs and everybody were in the conference room watching mm-hmm. his audition on Skype. Interesting. And uh, we all were like, yeah, he's the guy. Like, the I just love, look at the poster. The Art of More. 
Look at that. You got them looking in, and you got these two jokers right here, like, up to no good already. Dirty over the and shoulder. why is Carrie Olds, why is he looking like a vampire? Because this dude don't look like he is aged at all. Like, I'm looking at him like, is that him? Like, is that uh, we, we talk about that all the time, like, different people in Hollywood. Like, every, every like, usually around the Oscars, Y'all think Lisa, I'm Lisa I think, will go I back and look at who's still a vampire, who right. still looks they're like look, they're They still look like they did 20 years same. ago, and that is so wrong. Like, you can't be still looking like you did She's in got, like, two Bride. pages of a list of people. You know, and I'm it's like, true that I've actually never seen him in daylight. Because <laughs> oh, I'm like, I saw that, I'm like, that is that Carrie? He does only come out at night now. That I think I'm it. telling you, y'all think I'm I'm joking, mm-hmm. but there are vampires in Hollywood, and they are looking fabulous. <laughs> and I cannot wait to see. Like I, I just want to sit. Like I, already, I, I'm looking yeah. at the show, and I, just like I said, from looking at the trailer, I think there's a lot of plastic surgeons in Beverly Hills. <laughs> but he, I don't think he has been no. to one of them. I can tell you from seeing him up close. Uh, no, he really looks that good, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's all real. And just looking at all the people in the cast, oh my God, like it's really a diverse cast. Like I'm looking at these people like, oh my gosh. Well, there is. There's a lot of diversity in the cast. And we said, look, this is New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, because originally they were worried like, oh, the art world is a two elite. And I said, well, why don't we just call the show Rich White Men? And they said, well, that's really not going to bring in the audience that we want. You did not say that, did you? I did. I said too many things like that. No, but but you know what? I should leave it to my characters to say those things. There's people who are around that world, you know, it might look that way, but behind the scenes, you know. Well, we we have the rivalry between the two auction houses, the the kind of fictional Christie's and Sotheby's. One of them is Park Mason and the other is called DeGraff's. Mm -hmm. And DeGraff's is sort of like the rich, old, white, blue blood kind mm-hmm. of world. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that Kate works for. And her father is this wonderful Canadian actor named Peter Outerbridge, mm-hmm. who's been in a million shows. He, he was in Orphan Black, and he's just been in everything. And he definitely has that kind of waspy old world mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And we said, all right, we have that. Right. Let's make Park Mason be the anti-old, right. rich, white mm-hmm. world. Right. Let's have it be run by an African-American you know, who started it and had mm-hmm. to encounter... Is that the, the one we keep seeing in the trailer? Is that... That's, oh yeah. Good. He's yeah, fine, uh, too. Clark, yeah. He's a wonderful... Uh, again, all he's of our He's got a good presence. He's all of our actors are Canadian mm-hmm. other than the four leads because we okay. shoot in Montreal. Understood. But yeah, he's got a great presence. And uh, so that's sort of like, you know, he kind of broke into the old boys network and he mm-hmm. started his own. And so... Park Mason, like even the the sets and the locations, like their offices is very sort of modern, like mm-hmm. architectural digest. Mm-hmm. And DeGraff's is like the old brownstone on okay, Park yeah, Avenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So visually, they're very different from each other. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to show that. that the art world has changed and it's very right. diverse. And it's not the very elite place that it used to be. Yeah. Look, you still got to have a lot of money to buy yeah. stuff there. But you can be... You know, a rap but there's a lot of new money. Now. The there's a lot of new money. Itself, yeah. Eugene Clark, he's very handsome. Mm-hmm. He's what we call a cat daddy. <laughs> yeah, he definitely would be. He's being like a cat daddy auction house. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm really looking forward to it because, like I said, I love, like for example, the last uh, last weekend I spent binge watching Aziz Ansari's new show. Mm-hmm. And anytime you got a show that's different and unique, and it's like a different take on something that you've like seen before, it's like, oh god, I saw Lena, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, is that Lena? Like I was sitting there, like, why do I know this person? <laughs> Oh, that's Lena, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like so different. And we've been, and people are just blowing it up. And this show mm-hmm. reminds me of the type of stuff like like my friends like. Like we like intrigue, we like global stuff. We like Definitely. stuff where it's like, what are some worlds that we haven't seen before? What are some narratives that are really different? And you've got these two auction houses. You've got like, you still got guns. You still got yeah. <laughs> you got like stuff. And then and then it's gonna make. And as I'm watching the show. Mm-hmm. 
every piece of artwork is going to be questionable because I'll be thinking, where did that come from? Well, that's that's a very good <laughs> that's point because that's one of the things when we pitched it, we said each week with the auction, every object has a story behind mm-hmm. it. And we open each week where you kind of flash back in time and you see the story of where the object came came from. from. And you cut to the present and it's like, well, why are people so intrigued with it? Well, part of it is the story behind it. Yeah. you know, we do. Objects That's have a good power. Format. That's know? a good format. We, everybody's mm-hmm. got sort of like that favorite thing in their closet right. that they think brings them luck or whatever. Right. Like mm-hmm. we endow objects with power. Mm-hmm. I know. Whether I it's do. the shoes that you mm-hmm. wear, if you have an audition because they're your lucky shoes. They're my lucky shoes. <laughs> yeah. All the way on up to. It. I learned when we went out pitching it that a lot of big successful producers in this town are collectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spielberg, I think, sure. he bought the sled from Citizen Kane, right? Yeah, he spent yeah, a lot of money. He yeah. bought Rosebud. He bought Rosebud. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, we just gave away the ending to Citizen Kane. Um, but even very rich, successful people are collectors, mm-hmm. and what does it say about us, the things that we choose to collect, and right. why do we pay so much money for everything? But we definitely wanted to do the sort of every object has a story behind right. it, mm-hmm. and dealing with the antiquities, of course, and oh, the, the trail yes. that they followed from from the Middle East here, and we have several Middle Eastern actors in the show. Yeah, so nice. It's yeah. a really important part of the show Good. that the Iraqi smugglers that he worked with show up in New York. Mm-hmm. And, and they look fine, Spoiler yeah. alert. I'm just saying. They look fine, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, you really got a thing for all these I, I love fine men. Like, when yeah. I look, like, you know, because, you know, I love shows. But she has a thing about faces. She hates when everybody's love, just a movie star. She right. see a unique I like character faces. faces. Like, mm-hmm. I love Dennis Quaid's face. Mm-hmm. Dennis has like, even though like when he was coming up, the movies I saw with him like were in the eighties, the big eighties. But he has one. Of he those, still looks the same. He's, he's just older. But he's got like one of those old seventy faces. Uh-huh. You know, like the actors when they like Meryl Streep, like uh-huh. people who look like real people, people yeah. who haven't had like a lot of work done. They look like real people, uh-huh. and to me, that's really attractive. Uh-huh. And I love that. And when you got faces that you haven't seen before, like I, especially with character actors, sure. I hone in on that because uh-huh. that intrigues me. One, you look unique enough. You look like someone I've never seen before. So now I really want to watch you. Uh-huh. You know. And then you're bringing something new and exciting to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I guess my, my other life, I probably should have been an auctioner. <laughs> you know, have the little piece of paper up. You know, they send me in like, you, bitch, you post a one here. You out there like this. This is your limit. Your limit is $2 billion. And you'd be like, <laughs> pull the number up and be that like, oh, my God, having to call them like, someone outbid me. We need to go higher. <laughs> I, I need another couple million. Are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? <laughs> I love that's it. That's funny. That's funny. Oh, no, man. That's good, man. That's I'm proud of you, though. That's just, um. It's big to get yeah. your own show on the air. So what do you want you people know? to get from the show? Like what, as, as, as a fan, you know, as a, a future fan on the show, what do you want us to get, take away from your show? How should we feel? Do I, <laughs> do I need to get wine and dress up sexy every week when I'm watching it? Like what? You can. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know you binge watch. Like a lot of us, yeah. we're, we're serious when we watch our yeah. shows, especially if you And we're going like, to be able episodes. to binge watch this yes. week, right? Yes, you can. All Right now, the pilot just went live yesterday, so Sexy you can watch the pilot, the pilot and uh, through... Uh, well, just the pilot is live now, okay. and, and the, the uh, sort of coming up this season on the Art of More trailer at the mm-hmm. end of the pilot, and they're showing it with limited commercial interruptions right now, <laughs> and then on Thursday, all 10 episodes will be available, <gasps> and Crackle is free, so you don't have to subscribe. Holy I moly. Mean, there, there are commercials, but there's not a lot of commercials, okay. and it's free, so anybody can, can watch so it, guess, and then you can guess, binge Guess out, what I'm but, doing next weekend? <laughs> I'm getting dressed up. And my fancy New York outfit. Like, I have She's this outfit. When I, go to, when I visit She's friends. She's one of them Comic-Con look, girls. Look, look, look. She'd be dressed up. When I go visit my friends in New York, like, I have my New York clothes, mm-hmm. you know, which is like, you know, because New Yorkers, they tend to be a little more chic. You know, out here in California, <laughs> we're more laid back. But I'm going to have my heels. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the glasses of wine. We're going to have the good <laughs> finger foods and mm-hmm. stuff. And we're going to binge watch. And I'm going to live tweet this thing. And I'm okay, going to be like, it. look. 
That's how, that's right, here's, here's a good drinking game. Right, you get dressed up. You should have like a little paddle, you know, so you raise your paddle. Like, yes. Thing. And the, you know, we used to play a drinking game uh, on the love boat whenever mm-hmm. they showed Isaac the bartender and you had to take a, take <laughs> yes. a drink. So now I think whenever the auctioneer says sold, take a Dude, drink. Take I'm, a drink. Funny. I'm going to be toe up. That's what he's telling me. He said, I'm watching the show, be messed up watching it. But I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to it. Like I said, that type of world intrigues me. When you bring in a backstory, it reminds me of, do you remember the movie that came out a few years ago, The Red Violin? For yeah, the whole yeah, movie, which is oh, based Sam on Jackson. the object. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the yeah. object and the stories. The fact the that you're object. having flashbacks to like the objects, I love that kind of, Even though most people don't, you know, in writing books, they're always telling you, don't show. So I you see, if you get shit. series, see, if I you get love, season two, you might want to bring somebody in the room. That's I all love I'm flashbacks. <laughs> I love objects. I love the intrigue. And mm-hmm. that cast looks fucking amazing. Go ahead, Dennis you Quaid, with your fine self. Another, another cat daddy. <laughs> He's so good in it. I, yeah, like I said, I can't say enough things about, about all of them. And uh, the Middle Eastern actors we have are terrific. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to make a point of showing Middle Eastern characters and their lives mm-hmm. and not in a two-dimensional mm-hmm. way. I mean, yes, some of them are criminals. Some of them are smugglers. But their homes were destroyed. Their right. country was destroyed. They had nothing left to do mm-hmm. except... You know, antiquities were like right. the only currency that they could sell, other than mm-hmm. if they wanted to run and that's, guns or drugs. And, that, which and they honestly, didn't do. that's one of the most difficult things, despite the fact that you know we have wars and we, we're losing lives, but we're losing a lot of history with True. the artwork. I know a lot of times people go in and they start looting or you know tearing up stuff, Bombing. but but <laughs> as an historian myself who mm-hmm. loves history and who loves like you know when I go visit my family in Europe, mm-hmm. you know, I when I'm in Rome. I live for that stuff, the mm-hmm. art world, the history of that, and to think that there are people who are smuggling these things. I want to know what what what's the reasoning. Behind, well, of course, I know the reasoning behind it, but I want to see and have people understand that you know the, this art that we see, I mean, they come from some place, mm-hmm. and there are stories behind these objects. Sure. There's some controversial objects that mm-hmm. probably need to go back to the people they belong to, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, there's just that intrigue. Like you know what, when you in dire straits. You got to get your hustle on. And if it mm-hmm. means I need to take something that's culturally rich and belongs to the history, but I need to make this money, I will do that. So mm-hmm. I want to see the type of choices these characters make, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it, it sounds like it's going to be an instant hit. And the auctions, another thing that we tried to make a point of when we were <laughs> pitching the show is that auctions are not just about paintings. They're like, is it just going to be paintings every week? And we said, no. no. Anything <laughs> that can generate desire. Mm-hmm. I always say that auctions are the stuff that dreams are made of. Oh, yeah. So, you know, in the in the pilot, we have a vintage car collection and they auction off Steve McQueen's Ferrari, oh, yes. which is based on a real auction from yeah. a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. They, his Ferrari really went for like $10 million oh, for a car that if it wasn't owned by Steve McQueen would probably be worth two or three million, mm-hmm. which is still a lot of money, mm-hmm. but uh, $10 million, so you're mm-hmm. paying an $8 million premium because Steve McQueen owned it. Why? Mm-hmm. What is it about him or what is it about the people it's that the want the value it? that we project onto that yeah mm-hmm. so we've got cars we've got you know Jimi Hendrix's guitar we've got lyrics that were handwritten shut by up Townsend. wait did you just say Jim I gotta tweet that right now I got my friends we love our Jimi Hendrix we like no. look bitch we gotta watch this episode so let me tell you they got Jimi this Hendrix is the type guitar. of person you want to be tweeting your show <laughs> she is tweeting all day long they're like along they got with Jimi all Hendrix. the black nerds and thousands of them I'm telling you tweet away what you want. they got <laughs> Jimi Hendrix guitar they are auctioning <laughs> Let's do our imaginary bid. Exactly. I got twenty five dollars. Well, thank you so much, Chuck. I know you got to get running. We appreciate it. Oh, oh it's my man. pleasure. Thanks thank you, for man. Me yeah, it's gonna be a lot more different on the other one you're gonna be on. But we just we just have fun and just you know what I mean. We just go in and 
enjoy ourselves mm-hmm. on this one, you know. Well, that's great. That's what it's all about. Yeah, we, we just keep we, it we enjoyed ourselves yeah. making the show, so it's nice Definitely. to just share that yes. with, with folks that hopefully will enjoy the experience as well. So I don't know if you could talk about it, but do you know if you're coming back for season two, or are they just going to depend on how good you guys do right now? You know, they they have not officially okay. announced it yet, uh, but. Uh, we should know very soon and in the meantime you know I mentioned that I'm a novelist and I had written a book called Head Games oh okay cool what's that tell us about that well I love stories about uh, people who lead double lives Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. the the Christian Cook character in our show is a smuggler and he's in an auction house in Head Games it's about this guy named Dr. Jonah Hoffman who's a successful Park Avenue psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and he's also a government spy (laughs) <laughs> because, well, okay. he has a very dangerous patient. He has sort of like a Dick Cheney kind okay. of patient. And the government comes to him and they says, look, you know, this guy, he runs this sort of Blackwater-like company and mm-hmm. he can stage coups and commit genocide <laughs> with impunity. Mm-hmm. But you can get to him in a way that our country can't legally get to him. Wow. You can get inside his head because you got him on wow. your couch. So mm. you can help your country. What would you have done if you had been Hitler's therapist in 1938 and you could have mm-hmm. stopped World War II? So right. that's how he gets pulled into it. And then it begins to take over his life. Mm-hmm. And they sent him another patient. And pretty soon it's about how a man of thought becomes a man of action. Mm. And so it's a spy thriller about a psychiatrist. And I want to work on the second book in the series. The first mm-hmm. book has been doing well and it's on Amazon that now. almost sound so. like a show too. Okay. <laughs> so, sounds hey. like a movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, 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 see? Uh, one, one thing at a time. But, uh, <laughs> so while we're waiting to hear about... You ain't got no job. You ain't running no show. Another book. Uh, Put it but that was, that's a very different experience writing a book versus definitely. writing a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love both of them in mm-hmm. different ways. Uh, just the way you like going to Rome and you like going to Tokyo. You know, go, yeah, go look at the culture and city your family comes from. Like, no, Lisa's an author too. She's written they've been walking lots, of, around. lots of stuff. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I am looking forward to the art of more, y'all. That's what's that. I'm so let's dressed, tell the people where they can ready. find it if there's a website and all that stuff like that. It's on Crackle. So if you have an internet connection, you have Crackle. You mm-hmm. go to crackle.com. If you have Apple TV or if you have a smart TV, there's mm-hmm. a Crackle app. Okay. okay, good. So that's all you really need is an internet connection. It's okay. a streaming network. So you can you can find it on any computer or mm-hmm. any smart TV or Roku box or Apple box. Uh, if all else fails, just you know, get on your laptop and type crackle.com. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much everywhere. Google it, baby. Google it. <laughs> you can get Amazon and Netflix and Hulu. Yeah. You can get Crackle. Google is your friend. And the difference is you don't have to pay for Crackle. Which is That's awesome. True. But we want them to watch because the more they watch, they need to help pay you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. The more yeah. they watch, the more chance there is that we have a season exactly, two. Yeah. Exactly. So are you on Twitter or anything like that? Can people follow you? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't go on Twitter that often. I am on Facebook, though, okay. and I have an author page on Facebook. Well, you got a new show out, at least for this next week or two. And you your need Am- to be do on. you have an Amazon author page? <clears throat> I do have an Amazon author page. Okay. So make yeah. sure you go on Amazon, people. And get that book, Head Games. Yeah, just to be tweeting at least once or twice a day. All right, I, I'll start tweeting more. Yeah, See, y'all don't realize, because your fans, like, if you start tweeting stuff, people yeah. will watch your show and be like, we love this. Yeah, because I think I'm going to air this tomorrow, mm-hmm. because this thing is coming out. Okay. So I'll, I'll tweet. I'll be tweeting it, several. she'll be tweeting it like crazy. Yeah, because right, so. all the episodes come out, there's yeah. like, look, that is my weekend yeah. before, that'll be yeah. my, my Thanksgiving treat that weekend, is get dressed up, have my glass of wine, <laughs> and live tweet the show, <laughs> looking at Dennis Quaid and everybody else, all the wonderful... Wonderful men on that show, <laughs> and the art, and oh, it's, it's just—it looks—it's a sexy show. It looks sexy. A lot, of, a lot of eye candy. Oh God, yes. So, what, what is your Twitter? 
Do you know it? Oh my god! Yeah, oh my I, god! You I have it somewhere. I'll put it up. I'll put it up. Wait, your expression's like during the hair. Like, wait, what is my Twitter? Oh, I didn't do my homework. I do a show about the art world. I'm looking at 15th century oh, paintings, not gosh. 21st century Twitter <laughs> accounts. No, I do have a Twitter account, and I do go on there. It, you know, because you click on it, it just takes you to it. Yeah. It's like, do you know your home phone number? <laughs> you, you never call yourself. You know. Now oh, with, you know, you can put true. the link on there so we can let people yeah, yeah, know. Oh, that would be great. And we can tweet the, Oh, good. So I can find my Twitter account then. <laughs> yeah, basically. Thank you for helping me find ask, Twitter I'll text you and tell you who you are. This ask is Uncle you. Hilliard. He'll tell you. <laughs> there we go. Chuck, Chuck. Oh, man. Where are you, Chuck? I know I have you in here somewhere. Right. If you, I'll, I'll find if it. If you go on my Facebook page, yeah, I think I have it, it shows the link to I think my, it's on my other account. That's all. To my Twitter okay. page. I might even be able to find it. Yeah, so get on Crackle, people. Crackle. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So, Lisa, where can people find you at? Oh, you know, you can always find me on Twitter. You can always find me every Saturday night. Usually, if I am not busy Saturday night, I'm always hanging out with Geek Soul Brother and everybody else doing Saturday Night Sci-Fi. Uh, when it's Friday Night Horror, sometimes I do the Friday Night Horror when we have that. Um, I think I think Ashley does that every couple of weeks. And then, of course, you can always find me on Bitchflix, where I write film criticisms with the feminist intersectional slant. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much where you can find me. Okay. You know, you can look at, look me up on my Amazon page, <laughs> my Amazon authors page. You never said that before. I know, because I finally set up an Amazon authors oh, page. <laughs> I finally did. I was like, I should probably put an Amazon that's authors hilarious. page. <laughs> yeah. Right. I found my homepage on oh, Facebook. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I'm looking for where it says what my... Tr- <laughs> You know, if you go to my Amazon Sorry. author page, it has my Twitter feed on there, too. Sweet. Okay, then maybe I'm that's just, I'm going to go home and tweet. <laughs> Good for you. See? That's it says good. I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. That's Jimmy. true. And, and, <laughs> that part's and true, I live huh? in Los Angeles. That's true. Too. <laughs> 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 Where are you, Chuck? Oh, well, I tried. They're so All funny, right. y'all. They're sitting here looking themselves We're up. We're trying to find <laughs> trying to find something. themselves. I know oh, I have how's Chuck that? On How's that Twitter? for LA Oh, Twitterverse. That's so cute. Um, okay. And I'm your host, Hillary Guest. <laughs> and you guys can find me on Twitter. I call it Twitter because I'm cool like that. Okay. <laughs> on Twitter, at Hilliard Guest, where you guys can follow the show. Screenwriters RR. So follow us, Chuck. <clears throat> and tweet, Chuck. Yes. <laughs> I, I, do, I do follow you. <laughs> please and, tweet. Um, hmm? I said, please tweet. Please tweet. Mm-hmm. Please tweet. Um, please give us a five-star review on iTunes because we need that for the metrics. And Stitcher. See, I just turned out cool like that. Does Stitcher have a, like the great... Stitcher has it, but we really okay. want... iTunes is the one that helps you get to the top 100 and all, all that right. stuff like that. So um, anyway, so we need that. Um, we are going to be doing a show soon. We still got to do it, especially now that Kevin and him, we got to do a show with questions and answers. We, have, we probably have enough now okay. that we can do it. Um, and you know you have the thing, that, that new thing on Twitter where you can put questions up. That ah. new little button on Twitter, and I you put it on there, that. and you can create your own questions, and then people, you can do your own polling on Twitter. Really? Yes. See, so you how much I told you, she'd be Twitter head. <sighs> this one is right here. I'm just trying to think of some new questions to ask, like <laughs> stuff I want to know. You know, like how many people think that who agree with me and thinks that Vikings, the show, is better than Game of Thrones? According to whom? Uh, according to me, I think it is. Just because you have a bigger budget show doesn't mean it's better. Oh, I think it does. I agree with that. Thank you. See, Chuck knows. <laughs> we, we did not have a Game of Thrones budget, I can tell you that. Sometimes it's like the character-driven stuff is always amazing. You can have a lower-budget, character-driven piece that has more resonance to me. Then you, don't be, you just like don't everybody be, on there because you think giving, they're cute. Don't give me that face. 
Our guest has to go. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Wife outside, just waiting, just mad. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Chuck. We appreciate thank you coming. Thank you guys both. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Bolakaja. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lisa, Lisa Bolakaja. Yeah, like Lisa, Lisa Coltman. Yeah, I know. I know. So look, we say this little thing we say 2015. Just join in with us, and I'll point to you. So on this show, we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what? Well, 2015. Peace, y'all. Ciao, ciao. So you want to be a rider, well you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed In the rent room, we let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more games than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the red room, 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 room.